This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Monday, December the 19th. And our top story today is that the High Court has ruled government plans to deport asylum seekers who've crossed the channel to Kent in small boats to Rwanda are lawful. Ishmael has more details for the podcast. Well, campaigners brought a judicial review after the first deportation flight was blocked by the European Court of Human Rights in June. The Prime Minister and Home Secretary insists the controversial policy will put people off crossing the channel in small boats, but charities disagree and have described it as immoral. In this latest ruling, judges say it is lawful for a government to make arrangements to relocate people, but they've also said the eight individuals who were due to be sent to Rwanda did not have their cases properly considered and so must be reassessed. Well, the MP for Dover has welcomed today's ruling, saying it's time we all get behind action to stop small boat crossings and save lives at sea. Natalie Elphix also accused left-wing organisations of wasting taxpayers' money to try to stop the government's plans. She's urging campaigners to stop using endless appeals to overturn democracy. But charities supporting refugees aren't happy with the decision. Lucy's been speaking to Claire Mosley from Care for Calais. We are obviously disappointed, but the fact that all the individual claimants had their cases quashed gives us grounds for hope. Um, It means that there are a lot of problems with this policy and we will be talking to our lawyers and looking for ways to continue fighting it. Why are you so against the Rwanda policy and what are some of the issues with it in your view? In our view there are a lot of issues with it. We don't believe that we can guarantee that people will be safe in Rwanda. UNHCR has presented a massive amount of evidence about human rights abuses in Rwanda and the record of the current regime. Our own foreign officers raised concerns about human rights abuses in Rwanda. We don't believe that the policy is in line with the Refugee Convention or with other international treaties. Um, We have seen the reaction of refugees who were told they would potentially be sent to Rwanda. People were absolutely terrified. We talked to people who said that they were considering suicide rather than being sent. We talked to people who had self-harmed. We spoke to their families who begged us not to have their loved ones sent to Rwanda. I spoke to mothers who said, please don't let my son be sent, wives who said, I will never see my husband again. I can't tell you the trauma that it put people through. These are people who suffered the worst things in the world. They're people who've been subject to human rights abuses already, people who have been tortured. And our government is talking about putting them on a plane against their will and forcibly deporting them once again. These are incredibly traumatised people. And the fact that our country is considering putting them through further upset and trauma and taking them somewhere where we can't guarantee their safety. It's just such a terrible thing to even be considering. Um, I I really can't tell you how important it is to us that we fight it. And of course, the government say that having this policy in place will put people off making that dangerous channel crossing. Do you agree with that? I think it's really really obvious. And I think, in fact, we all know that it's not going to do that. Um, Since the policy was introduced, more people than ever before have attempted the crossing. Um, We and many journalists and other people have spoken to people in Calais, and they all say it's not stopping them making the crossing. Deterrence doesn't work with refugees. Um, By the time they get to Calais, they have already 
faced death. They've taken incredible risks. Um, by the time they're there, that's why they get in small boats, because it just becomes one more risk that they have to take in order to justify all the things that they've already been through. Um, I, I think it's absolutely clear deterrence doesn't work with refugees, and this policy is not going to achieve anything. And to me, all that says is, why, when we know it's not going to achieve anything, are, are we considering taking this terrible, awful step that is so incredibly brutal that might even be against international law, um, especially when there's other options available? If we gave safe passage to refugees in Calais in a similar way to the way we did for Ukrainians, that would put the people smugglers out of business overnight. That would save refugees' lives. Only last week, another eight people drowned crossing the channel. And we could stop that. Our government could stop it tomorrow. They could guarantee people safety and they have the power to do that. And why, when they have that option, are they looking at something as horrific as the Rwanda policy? when there's something else that would be more effective. I find it very hard to believe. Elsewhere today, a 19-year-old man's been charged in connection with the deaths of a group of asylum seekers in the Channel. At least four people died and 39 were rescued when a small boat capsized near Dungeness last Wednesday. Ibrahim Abar, who doesn't have a permanent address, is accused of people smuggling offences. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today and a domestic abuser from Dartford who hit his partner with a frying pan, leaving her in a coma for six days has been jailed. Sebastian Berzu told ambulance crews and police that she'd fallen and hit her head on a radiator. The 23-year-old from Heath Street has been sentenced to four years in prison. An armed robber who targeted schoolchildren in Margate nearly nine years ago has finally been jailed. Marianne Makula went on the run to Slovakia after stealing three mobile phones in February 2014. The 25-year-old was arrested after re-entering the UK. He's been locked up for 18 months. A Medway mum says she's worried for the health of her baby daughter after struggling for 14 months to get rid of mould in their flat. Chelsea Hazelwood reported it to MHS Homes after moving into the property on Association Walk in Rochester over a year ago. Someone eventually came to clean it last month, but it's since come back. A spokesperson insists they're taking the issue very seriously and are working to resolve it. Now, people living in Margate say they feel scared to walk through a local park at night because of faulty street lighting. It comes after a recent attack and sexual assault of a teenage girl in Dane Park and other reports of robbery and vandalism. Tim Surrey, who lives in Cliftonville, told his wife not to go there the other night. So as long as I've lived here, there's been a problem with the street lights in the park. Um, at the moment, I would say 50% of the lights don't work. All of the lights, this half of the park, none of the lights that are maintained by Thanet District Council work. The ones maintained by Kent County Council all work at the moment but they did substantial work to get them to work but now you know they, they just don't work. And because they don't work what kind of issues is that causing for people that maybe want to walk through the park obviously we know it's getting darker quite early now what kind of issues is that causing? So the other night my wife was out and I said to her as she was walking back you know, walk around the park, don't walk the park. And that was a, it wasn't late, late, but 9.30, 10 o'clock. But now that this girl has been attacked at 4.30 in the afternoon, because substantial amounts of lights and areas, there's no light. So people can lurk in the trees and do, you know, basically do what they want. So it's kind of, it's kind of become a bit lawless in this park then and, uh, after dark, if, if that kind of fits the, fits the narrative a little bit. It's, my wife says she's not comfortable with me going out walking the dog late 
after, say after we've put the kids to bed, she says she's not comfortable, but I'm, you know, not a small man. But if I was a woman, I wouldn't feel comfortable walking through this dark. I mean, if that attack happened at 4.30, you know, that's school kids walking home from school. That's not late at night. That is, you know, there should still be kids playing in the playground, apart from there's no lights. The lights in the playground have never worked as long as I've lived here. So, and I suppose some people could potentially say that even, even with the lights here, that a, a woman walking through here on her own could be unsafe. I mean, what would you say to that? Do you just think that maybe the, the fact that there is no lighting actually makes it a little bit worse? I think the lighting makes it worse, but then there's also the thing of, you know, women are sort of made to feel like it's their responsibility. But as we saw with Sarah Everard, you know, she did everything right. She stuck to a well-lit road she was wearing bright clothing she was on the phone someone and she still still ended up you know well how she ended up sally vaughan also lives nearby and now won't go to the park when it's dark i walk my dogs now at 3 30 in the afternoon whereas i used to walk them at 4 30 summer 5 30 it's scary very scary i walked down that path two weeks ago and i fell over in the leaves i went flying there was a gentleman who tried to help me, but he had two big dogs, and I've got a chihuahua who wants to kill all big dogs, little dogs, and um, so he couldn't come near me to help me up, and it was very scary. I am scared to walk around this part of the park, not so much the other, because some of it's lit, and I can always see somebody that I know, but for a woman to walk around this park, I don't know many that will, to be honest with you. It's, a, it's, um, it's frightening. And Sally, have you, have you lived here for a long time? Is this, has this always been the case? I've lived here seven years and I have been worried for seven years. The summer is fine. We are able to go out until 10 o'clock at night. Uh, but in the winter, people just do not want to be out with their dogs. And we all have to walk our dogs. Some people finish work early, some finish work late, and they have to take their dogs regardless. But I think we all try to be safe where we can. But it is not on. It's really not fair that Thanet District Council don't take care and don't hear what we say. Councillor David Wallin from Thanet District Council says it's been a struggle to get the issue fixed. There are certainly a lot that aren't working. Um, KCC are responsible for some of them and those do work, but the TDC ones, most of them don't. Behind me is a basketball court and the lights in the corners of that, four of them, stopped working for a while and it took a fair number of emails and efforts for me to get them fixed but now two of them are blown again, so it's no longer usable as a court, although in this weather people wouldn't necessarily be playing, but there's no light, or very little light there now. And, I mean, the residents are saying that maybe the council aren't listening, or they're, they're not, they feel like they're not being heard, what would you, how would you respond to that? Well, the councillors are listening, but whether the council are listening to the councillors or the residents, that's another matter. I've sent in many emails about it, as have some many of the other residents. It's an ongoing issue, which has been brought to their attention more than once. Well, they were all talking to Jamie Levy from our colleagues at KMTV. The council say their lighting contractor has carried out temporary repairs and replacements are expected to be fitted by next month. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Bottled water stations are being set up in Thanet after a burst pipe caused disruption to supplies. It's affecting hundreds of people in Broadstairs, Margate, Ramsgate and Manston. Repairs are being carried out by 
southern water, but they say it could take some time to fix. Meantime, homes in Tunbridge Wells have been without running water for four days now after a burst pipe. Around 3,000 people have been affected in all. Southeast Water have apologised and say the leak was caused by the freezing weather. And after that cold weather, it's now thought heavy rain could cause flooding in parts of Kent as river levels rise. The Environment Agency's issued alerts for areas around Tunbridge Wells, Maidstone, Ashford, Tenterden and Headcorn. They say they're monitoring the situation as downpours are expected to continue this week. Now, it's feared that the cost of living crisis could see some of us turn to unsafe electrical items in a bid to keep warm. Now, the warning comes after an Edenbridge man needed oxygen when he forgot to turn off an electric blanket, which started smouldering and giving off toxic smoke. Because the product was old, it didn't have modern functions like an automatic switch-off. Leanne McMahon is from Kent Fire and Rescue Service and she's been speaking to Lucy. Really appreciate Adrian sharing his story because it gives some really key messages for Kent Fire. So there's two things there really. One is around the use of electric blankets and the need to do so safely. So we recommend that if you are going to use them, do a visual check, make sure that there are no concerns with wear and tear, any of the wires perhaps that might be loose, and also make sure they've got some of those safety features, so automatic shut off when it reaches a certain temperature and things like that. Um, the second thing there is a working smoke alarm is absolutely paramount. Adrian did say there that his smoke alarm wasn't working. It would have given him more time to get out of that house. And obviously, in this instance, meant that he would have taken less breath of smoke. So do make sure that you have a working smoke alarm. Test them weekly. If you're unable to reach them, you can use anything to reach up to, you know, a broom, a walking stick, anything of those. You don't need to be climbing on any furniture, but just regularly test your alarm to make sure it's working. And is this the kind of thing that happens and people think it's never going to happen to them? But it's it's a simple thing, isn't it? You know, Adrian has said it's just one little mistake has, has led to this. The thing is with electrics, there are some unknowns, aren't there? So if there is even the slightest broken cable or perhaps some wear and tear on a piece of equipment, you can never truly know how 100% safe something is. Obviously, if you buy them from you, you're you're got some guarantees around the quality assurance that that's gone through. So perhaps more at risk if you're buying them from other people or from marketplaces and things like that. So it is important that you do as much checking as you possibly can for yourself about the product, reviews, make sure that you check the product over again around that, just checking that visual check of, is there anything on that that doesn't doesn't look right? When you turn it on, does it smell a bit funny? So if it's giving you a spidey sense, then listen to that spidey sense and don't use the product. People are looking at ways to cut back. Are you you worried that people might start making decisions that perhaps aren't safe? There's always a possibility. And what we are doing is really positive steps. So we've got our um, experienced team members going out there and supporting as they often do, but we've ramped that up for the winter. So going out and doing our home fire safety checks. So you will see us out and about, um, always ensure that, you know, that we'll be there with a generally it will either be with a fire engine and a crew or it will be one of our specialist team who will always have their ID with them. Make sure you check for that ID. Uh, but they are going out, giving those visits and giving that uh, that really important advice, installing smoke alarms where we need to in those areas. So we, we're looking to keep people as safe as we possibly can. We know that this, uh, with the cost of living, people are finding innovative ways of trying to save money. What we would encourage is that people do that as safely as they possibly can. 
So don't cut corners with your own safety. So I can, with the example of the electric blanket, buying something cheap where perhaps you don't know the background to it and perhaps that it might not have the safety features in place, is that really worth it? Make sure that what you're using is safe and that you can keep yourselves warm through the winter as safely as you possibly can. Kent Online reports. A decision on whether to build 900 homes on open fields near East Morling is unlikely to be made until next August. A new jaw carriageway could be created to access the development at Broadwater Farm. Plans are expected to go out to a public consultation in February and any decision made by the council will need to be approved by the government. A pub in Dartford has announced it's closing for good because of rising costs and a drop in customers. Bosses at the Wigan Gown in Spittle Street say their energy bills have doubled and they're making half as much money as they did last year. They're having a final send-off on New Year's Eve before shutting down and have thanked everyone who supported them. It's emerged temporary social workers are being paid as much as £620 a day by Kent County Council. The staff are being used to fill vacant positions within the department that looks after vulnerable young children. More than 140 agency staff are currently on the authorities' books with the overall wage bill topping more than £2 million. We have contacted the council for a comment. Now, this is one of our most read stories today. New data has revealed council bosses in Canterbury have made nearly £45 million from parking charges over the last five years. That's by far the highest amount of income generated across the whole of the county. Now, most councils have made a profit from their car parks, but Swale have been operating at a loss, and you can see the figures for your area by heading to Kent Online today. Well, bosses in Canterbury say the high fees they charge for parking fund vital services such as rough sleeper support and homelessness. Meantime, the biggest money-making car park in Kent so far this year has been revealed as Royal Victoria Place in Tunbridge Wells has pulled in £1.2 million up until September. As I say, you can see a breakdown of the data by heading to the website today. There you can also let us know what you think about parking charges where you live in the county. You can also comment on the story via our social media. The AA has issued an amber traffic warning for Friday and Saturday. They reckon up to 17 million drivers will take to the roads for the Christmas getaway with rail strikes adding to the disruption. It's expected to be particularly busy around the M25 and M20 in Kent M20, of course, where Operation Brock is in force. Well, Jack Cousins from the AA is urging us to make sure our vehicles are roadworthy. What's helping contribute to this number of people jumping into their cars are the rail strikes. What they're deciding to do is not take their chance on the rails and they're jumping in their cars because they feel they've got a better chance of getting to their destination. What we're expecting to see are the real popular routes, particularly popular routes heading out of London to be particularly congested. So the M25 interchanges with the M3, the M4, the M1, the M11, the M20 and indeed the A1M. We're forecasting them to experience delays over that two-day period. One of the things we saw last week with the cold weather were breakdowns that could have been avoided had drivers carried out some pre-travel checks. And whilst we always and continue to talk about making sure you check your tyres, making sure they're in uh, good condition and are at the right pressure, what we saw was the number of people with frozen screen washes and faulty wiper blades. And that's particularly prevalent with uh, more grit and dirt on the roads uh, this winter. So people should be checking their cars before setting off because doing those pre-travel checks 
even if it just takes 10 minutes, can save hours off their journey because breakdowns ultimately lead to more traffic jams and more congestion. We certainly think that Christmas falling the way it has done this year is a contributory factor for people looking to get away and spend their Christmas with family and friends. And the Friday in particular, uh, we're expecting that to be the busiest day of the two where we've issued our amber traffic warning and people jumping in their cars certainly need to remember that as much as they need to check their car over before setting off they need to prepare themselves too so making sure that they've got warm weather clothing so coats hats scarves and gloves uh, making sure they've taken water and snacks with them and even entertainment for younger travelers too because we desperately want to stave off that chorus of are we nearly there yet for as long as possible kent online report People who own beach huts in Herne Bay and Whitstable are being hit with a huge fee if they want to rent them out. They have to pay as much as £750 a year to sublet them. It follows complaints about antisocial behaviour, noise and littering created by visitors who rent the huts on the seafront. Head to Kent Online today to see plans for the Spitfire Cricket Ground in Canterbury. CGI pictures show refurbishment ideas, including expanding the stands and relocating a war memorial. The sporting venue on Old Dover Road has been in use since 1847. You'll soon be able to get a bus ticket for just £2 in parts of Kent. Stagecoach are among 130 companies introducing a cap for single fares between January and March. It's all part of a government-funded scheme aiming to help with the cost of living crisis and encouraging more of us to use public transport. And we've spent the past two weeks delivering the thousands of gifts you donated to the Give a Gift appeal on our sister radio station at KMFM. The toys and games have been taken to charities, hospitals and children in care this Christmas. Thanet Iceberg Project makes sure children have a comfortable bed to sleep on. They got some of the toys and Josh Newstead is from the charity. So we help, uh, amongst other things, provide furniture and other goods for people in desperate need. So that can be refugees or all sorts like that. Perfect. And what would the gifts mean to these children? Oh, the, it all means so much. For these kids, some of the ones we've delivered to, the just having a bed to sleep on has been a massive luxury. Being able to now actually also give them luxuries and toys. Just thank you so much for, for drop, dropping these off. Thank you, guys. Jenny Thompson is from Canterbury and District Early Years Project. We're a children and families charity, so we're non, non-judgmental. We um, allow any family from any area who needs support to come in. So we have different um groups for instance the rhythm and rhyme which is a, a language development group we have stay and plays um, baby massage uh, we do programs for instance parenting programs um, mental health uh, sexual health you name it we do it how will the gifts impact the children families are really um finding it difficult mainly because they can't do both you know they can't pay their bills and eat and look after their children's Christmas presents etc um, we're lucky that we're able to do the food banks um, and we have the shop in the front um, which is already loved products um, so the toys will make a difference they'll make a difference for those families who haven't been able to afford anything and there are many seriously yeah. many First of all, I'd like to say thank you so much because you don't realise what you've given us and how much it helps. And I'd just like to say thank you. And finally, we can hear from Vicky O'Leary, who's from Kinfest in Rochester. We alleviate the isolation for families that have 
care, have full-time care for children that they are related to. And what will the gifts mean to the children? They will be fantastic. Many of these children, obviously, like everybody, are not going to get very much this year. So all these presents will be absolutely wonderful. We can't thank you enough. We're here to support any kinship family and we're just very grateful for all these lovely presents. And staying with news from KMFM, Never Gonna Not Dance Again by Pink has been revealed as Christmas number one. She's been dominating the Kent Top 40 for the last six weeks. Last Christmas by Wham was at number two in the chart with Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas at number three. That's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing and to sign up to that you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk news you can trust this is the kent online podcast this podcast is sponsored by the fg barnes group with showrooms in canterbury and maidstone offering a range of new and approved used cars including mg seat and Vauxhall.